Um, so this morning we have a short passage. If you would stand with me, we're going to read it in two languages. Tobias is going to uh, read it in German, and then I will read it in our native tongue. Lukas 10, 38 bis 42. Als sie aber weitergezogen, kam er in ein Dorf. Da war eine Frau mit Namen Martha, die nahm ihn auf. Und sie hatte eine Schwester, die hieß Maria, die setzte sich dem Herrn zu Füßen und hörte seiner Rede zu. Martha aber machte sich viel zu schaffen, ihnen zu dienen. Und sie trat hinzu und sprach, Herr, fragst du nicht danach, dass mich meine Schwester lässt alleine dienen? Sage ihr doch, dass sie mir helfen soll. Der Herr aber antwortete und sprach zu ihr, Martha, Martha, du hast viel Sorge und Mühe. Eins aber ist Not, Maria hat das gute Teil erwählt, das soll nicht von ihr genommen werden. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. You may be seated. Come get him, brother. First of all, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. My name is Randy Nickel. I'm one of the elders here at the church. Um, hearing Tobias uh, read scripture in German, it reminds me, I thought of this this morning, but um, my whole family is from German heritage. And growing up as a young boy, I was at my great-grandmother's house. And apparently, at least this German woman doesn't like it if you slurp your cereal. Because all I remember is hearing the word Dumkopf and the back of her hand catching me across the back of the head. And I remember looking up at my father, and he looked at me and he said, I can't help you. <laughs> and um, so that was it. So when I hear German, I break out in a sweat. Um, yeah, uh, this, as I prepared for this time, Uh, one of the things that was interesting to me is I kind of went down a little rabbit trail for part of the, the time. I didn't realize that there's some people uh, that have often believed that Mary Magdalene and Mary, the sister of Martha, were the same person. I've always believed they were two people. And uh, so as I kind of looked into that, I called my good friend when I go, want to go down a rabbit trail with him, Dave Hooper. And so we began to look and read about it. It was interesting to, to read about it. One of the... Uh, ideas that someone had or theories was that um, Mary left her home with Martha because of her lifestyle and was kind of a disgraceful lifestyle, moved to a town called Magdala on the Sea of Galilee, close to Capernaum. And it was there that she would have met Jesus, and Jesus cast the demons out of her, and at that point she went back to Bethany. And, uh, and it's here that Jesus would have met her and her sister And I guess it's possible, however, the name Mary is very common uh, at the time of Christ. There was many people named Mary. And so 
I still kind of can come back to where I started, but it was kind of a fun few days, actually, just reading what people had thought. So that's my rabbit trail for you this morning. Um, last week, Denver did a great job sharing with us the story of the Good Samaritan. And he talked about how being followers of Jesus involves being doers of the word, not just hearers. A friend of mine used to say that he believed if we just applied the truths that we already know, that we would be dangerous as followers of Christ. That we, that we need to live out what we already know to be true. And we ask God to give us more and more truth, which is great, but the idea is that we need to live out and follow the word and what we already know. But today, we're gonna look at the other side of the coin that Dallas focus on living out the faith and doing it. Today, we're going to talk about what does it mean to sit at the feet of Jesus. We're going to talk about what does it mean to learn, to rest, to love, and just to be with him. What I want to say is what I'm sharing today is as much, if not more, for me than for anyone. I believe I need to hear this on a regular basis and how important this is about our lives. I'm going to walk through each verse uh, one at a time. So starting in verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now Martha opened her home. It's interesting because at the time of Christ, not many women would have owned homes. But Martha owns her own home. We don't know why or how, if it was inherited from her parents, if she was able to purchase it, but Martha opens her home, and we don't know if, it doesn't really tell us, did Mary and Lazarus live in that home with her? But they were all in Bethany. One of the things I find interesting is it says she opened their home to them. This concept of hospitality is so important in the scriptures. In one of the commentaries I read, it says this, um, hospitality was not just good manners, but a moral institution. I love that. And so at this time, who knows, you could have been taking care of someone, uh, angels themselves, or in this case, the Son of God. You know, after spending time in Scotland and Ireland, I learned how important hospitality is in the Celtic tradition. And it's hugely important. And uh, the way they treat and love and care for visitors and for people is amazing. A friend of mine described it as this, that the English or the Brits will one hand keep you at bay and the other hand welcome you and say, we're glad you're here. And then the Scots literally wrap their arms around you and say, hey, my, my new mate, and they hug you and you're welcome. And then the Irish will take you home to their house and say, honey, this is my friend. I just met him this evening. He's moving in with us. I mean, it's this idea of hospitality is so important in their culture. But it was even more important at the time of Christ in this culture. And so Martha is doing what she knows to do and what she's been taught. In verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. This comment to sit at someone's feet is really to say that you are someone's disciple. In Acts 22.3, it says, I am a Jew 
born in Tarsus in Sicilia, but brought up in, in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers. So Paul studied under one of the most famous theologians and, and religious leaders at the time in Jerusalem, and he said he sat at his feet, that he was his disciple. He was, Gamaliel was Paul's mentor at that time. And so to say that Mary sat at the feet of Jesus is saying that she is a follower of Jesus. At that time, women were third-class citizens. Yet here Jesus has a woman sitting at his feet. What does that tell us? You know, many people think that as Jesus' followers or Jesus Christ and the Christian faith, the scriptures, that very sexist, racist, bigots, that is not at all how Jesus was. And in fact, he changed everything. What he did and taught. I'm not saying that Jesus is teaching us about that men and women are exactly the same. I don't think that we are, but he is saying this, that men and women follow Jesus together and that women are as important to God as men are. There's no, in that idea, that we are equal to God in that. And I think it's amazing that she sits at his feet. You know, think about Jesus when he, he goes to Samaria and he gets to Sekar and the disciples are there with him and they go off to buy food and he interacts with the woman at the well. And at the end of the story, the town all comes out to, to see Jesus and they say, we now believe not just because of what you said, but because we've met him ourselves. But this was a place that most people, most people would not have gone. It was a group of people they did not want to be around. And Jesus takes... Uh, racism his view of people is that he loves people and as followers of Jesus we are called to love as Jesus loved men and women he loved people of different races Jesus loved may we be known for this as a church we as followers of Jesus can be distracted and argue over a lot of different things can't we what if we decided that we were going to make our focus to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbors ourselves? What if providence was known for the way we love our community and each other? There's a short little book by a man named Francis Schaeffer called The Mark of a Christian. I'm guessing it came out in the late 70s. It's probably 60, 70 pages long. If you haven't read it, you should. It's a great little book. But basically in it, he says, the way that the world knows who we are is the way we love each other. John 13, 35. By this, all people know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. A good friend of mine, one of my mentors, told me a story that when he was coming to know Christ, <clears throat> he was at an event once, and he saw these two people, these two, they were both young life leaders, and he didn't know they even knew each other. But they approached each other, and they embraced and were so excited to see each other. And he said at that moment, he realized he doesn't have a relationship with anybody like they had, the way they cared and loved each other. May that be what we're known for. 
Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. The message translation says this in verse 40. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister's abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. Have you ever felt this way? Have you ever felt like, gosh, I'm doing so much. I'm, I'm trying to care for my family and provide. I, I try to be nice. I try to do all these things for people in my neighborhood, my work, my job, my, my ministry. No one seems to care. Have you ever felt like that? I have. Isn't it interesting that Martha, uh, at this point, she not only confronts her sister, tell Mary, who else does she confront? Jesus. Jesus, get with the program. Jesus, tell her to do this. Isn't it interesting? She is telling the Son of God what to do here at this point. It is, it's a little bit humorous, but I would propose that we're no different. We do the same thing. I may not always say it, but I think it at times. God, what you really need to do is this. Can you please just make that person different? God, can you help me here? God, I, we're asking God to do what we want. She wanted to serve she wanted to care for people. She was using her gift of hospitality. But what was interesting is she was trying to keep control as she did it. She wanted to do it her way. <clears throat> when we call Jesus Lord, aren't we saying ultimately that he is in control? That Jesus is in control? Sometimes that's hard for us, isn't it, to give up control? And here, Martha comes up and says, Jesus, make her do what I want. I love Jesus' response here. Martha, Martha. Or Marte, Marte, is that what you said earlier, Toby? Marte, Marte in German? I love that. I'm going to start calling my wife Martha that, I think. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. I love that he said her name twice. Think about this with me. In Luke twenty-two thirty-one, Jesus says Simon's name twice. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demands to have you that he might sift you like wheat. And to Saul in Acts 9 on the road to Damascus. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I feel like Jesus is trying to emphasize. He's trying to get their attention. I, I've kind of pictured it almost like he's shaking, Martha, Martha, he's shaking his head as he says it. When I was little, I knew I was in trouble. Maybe you were serious. When my middle name came out, my whole name, when my mother got my whole name, it was like, oh man, I'm in so much trouble now. You knew, right? When, I don't know, maybe it's something like that, but uh, instead of yelling, whole name, he says, Martha, Martha. But the story, we often think of Martha as this person who was so busy. She was so busy and concerned about so many details, 
She missed the point. Think about this. We also have somebody like Thomas. What do we remember Thomas for? What do we remember? Doubting Thomas, right? That's what we remember him for. What if there's more to them than that? You know, it's not necessarily fair. There's times that maybe we feel like we are remembered for something that we've done that, where we maybe missed the mark. In Luke 10, we learn that Thomas is interacting with Jesus and Jesus is going to go to Bethany and we hear that Thomas says, let's go, let's die with him. He's ready to be martyred with Christ. How about Martha? Peter in Mark 16 makes a very famous statement. Peter says, Jesus said to Peter, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. But there's one other person that makes that statement in the New Testament, in the Gospels. It's Martha. What does this tell us about her faith, her trusting in Jesus? She was amazing. Jesus is just outside of Bethany. He's a few miles away. And he gets word that Lazarus is sick. In fact, Lazarus is dying. And he gets word that he should come help. And Jesus chooses to stay there for a few more days. And he stays. <clears throat> At some point he said, we, we're going to head to Bethany now. We need to go wake up Lazarus. And the disciples said, if he's asleep, he'll wake up. No, he's died. We need to go. So they come to Bethany where Mary and Martha and Lazarus were. And it starts in verse 20. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. There's faith in that, isn't there? You had the power to change the situation. But there's also desperation. Where were you? If you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. If you'd have been here, this would be very different, Jesus. Why didn't you come? Again, I, he knew exactly what he was doing. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, he will give you. Isn't that an incredible statement? He's dead. Lazarus is dead. And his sister is saying, even now, I know God will give you whatever you ask. That's an amazing faith. And Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Listen to what she said. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who's come into the world. Martha got it. Martha's statement is incredible. She was a woman of deep faith and she trusted and believed in deeply. We have moments of frustration or moments that we think may define us, but Jesus knows us better. Her faith was incredible. Back to our passage, verse 42. 
but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Is Jesus saying that busyness or action is bad? Turn back again last week to what Denver shared. Right? The story of the Good Samaritan. In the story of the Good Samaritan, this man's on the road, he gets jumped by robbers, he's left for dead. And the religious leaders that come by, where do they go? They even go around him on the road so they don't have to interact. And the Samaritan comes, takes care of him, binds his wounds, takes him to a hotel, makes sure he's well cared for. And in verse 36 it says, which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy. Jesus said, go and do likewise. In our passage today, he's not saying that one sister is totally right and one is totally wrong. It's an issue of priorities and motives. One should flow from the other. And it's really important we get the order right. Our activity and actions flow from gratitude of God's grace in our lives. Our action flows out of our relationship with him. Mark 3, 13 to 15. Jesus went on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. He called them that they would be with him and then he could send them out. That order is vital. In Matthew 4.19, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I know Jesus spoke this at a very specific time and place to some fishermen, but I believe that same statement is true for us. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It starts first with following and then he does the work. Do you put your career, your 401k, our comfort, our experiences, our education, your spouse, do you put those above your walk with Christ? Even in ministry, it's easy to begin to think the things that we are doing for God are more important. We often can place those things as more important than our actual walk with Jesus Christ. The Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I've commanded you, has to flow from the great commandment. Mark 12, 28 to 30. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is like it. To love your neighbors yourself. The order is important. In a devotional by a man named Ty Salzgiver called Follow Me, he writes as if God were speaking to us. And this is what he writes. I could not gather you while you were running. I could not close my arms of love around you while you were on your high-speed chase for the cause of my kingdom. Neither could I tell you of my love. You cannot hear my love in whirlwinds. I come in gentle whispers. You must be close to hear gentle whispers. I carry the lambs in my arms close to my heart. 
let me carry you close. Nothing brings me more delight than to love you. But sometimes, child, you seem to have a hard time letting me love you. It seems easier for you to scurry around doing love. Um, sorry. Scurrying around doing love than to open yourself up to letting me love you. Do you want to know why? It's because doing love is good for your ego. Sitting quietly and receiving love is humbling. Doing love puts you in charge. Receiving love means I am the giver, you're the taker. You find it much safer to be the giver than the taker. It's less risky. Doing love is high profile. Receiving love is what happens between you and me in private. Doing love produces tangible results. Receiving love has nothing to stack in the warehouse at the end of the day. It starts with us receiving his love. We love because he first loved us. And because of that, <clears throat> we have something to share. We have a reason to give. A number of years ago, Martha and I, many years ago, had a chance to go to a conference at a place called The Cove in, in Asheville, North Carolina. It's the, the Graham Conference Center in, in North Carolina. And it was a spiritual formations uh, trip. And so for two days, uh, we would have breakfast and then a devotional or worship time. And from that time until dinner, uh, it was a time of silence. And so you would take what you learned and some thoughts and some scripture and sit and be with the Lord. Well, I, it was kind of raining, so I went and found a desk. It was in a back corner of the center, and I sat there uh, for basically two days and, and read and, and prayed. Um, and I actually have a, that desk, a friend actually helped me build it, and so I have a copy of it in my home. At the end of the week, a woman looked at me and said, I see that you like Mrs. Graham's desk. I said, what? I said, that was Mrs. Graham's desk in college that you were sitting at, and I said, I didn't know that. And there was a bunch of old books. That, those were part of her collection. Well, one of the books, The Royal Path of Life, I think it was uh, published in 1879. And so I remember picking up The Royal Path of Life as I sat there, and, uh, and I just looked at the first page. And I don't think you can see it very well in this picture, but there's a picture inside the page of an old man with a little boy sitting on his lap. And uh, I remember sitting there thinking that if, if you look at it, it, it's the idea of it is the old year, the old year passes and the new year coming in. And the little boy's the new year and the old man's the old year during the transition. But I remember sitting there thinking, how much for me as a father, what I loved was when my children would just sit quietly in my lap and rest. How, what a special time that was. And I started thinking about my son, Kyle, who I don't know if he had bones or whatever, but somehow he could wiggle. And as a grown man, I couldn't keep him in my lap. I was like, somehow he could get up and just be on the run again. You know, he's on the road. And he was so busy doing so many things. And I thought what I wanted was to be with him. But he had all these places as a little toddler he needed to go. And I started thinking, you know what? It's no different for us, is it? That God's desire is for us to acknowledge him, to rest in him, to trust him, to be with him. And we're so busy, we miss. If you're too busy to spend time with God, then you're missing out 
on the better thing in life that Jesus talked about here. Mary has chosen what is better. In John 10.10, 10, we're told, I've come that you would have life and life to the full or abundant life. We're missing out on what we were made for. If you're so busy serving God that you can't spend time with him, you're like the older brother. It's a prodigal story, the prodigal son. We missed it. And like I said, this is for me as well as anyone here. What God wants is to be with you, to know you, to be known by you, to love you and be loved by you. In the fall, we're gonna go back and bring something back that we did years ago. It's called the 28-Day Challenge. And I talked with Austin about this. Uh, we created a devotional. It's for 28 days. And the idea is that if you do something for 21 days in a row, you make a habit. And the goal is to make a habit for us of spending time in God's word with Jesus every day for 28 days. Now here's the issue. We, if you're like me or people, we can even make that, as Pharisees, we can even make that, you know, I'm earning God's love. That's not what it's about. But the goal is if you miss a day, on day 12 you miss, you start back over at day one. I'm the goal of getting 28 straight days. Of spending time with him. Not because it's something we have to do to check off our list, but because we're trying to form a habit of spending time with him each day. The motive changes everything. There may be some here today that are not followers of Jesus. You've never surrendered to him or trusted him. What is it that he wants from you? Well, he wants you to know him, to love him. He's asking you to believe. True belief is active. It's not a one-time check the box. It involves trust. It's simple as this. One, <clears throat> admit that you need Jesus. That our condition, we need a Savior. Number two, believe in Christ. Believe he is who he said he is. Believe that he's God's rescue plan for us to have life. Eternal life and life now. And lastly, surrender. Surrender your will and plans to his lordship. <clears throat> he knows what's best for us. I quoted John 10.10 10 a little while ago. Jesus offers us life and life to the fullest. Not life with no issues, no suffering, no hardship, but life with the one who created and died for us. Don't miss out. This is what you were made for. What you're trusting, what you're putting your identity, your, your hopes in. Three questions to ask. Does it love you? Will it solve your problem of sin? And thirdly, will it last? See, the only thing I think answers yes to those three is the person of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> He's the only one that answers yes. For those of us who know Jesus, is he still your priority? Are you spending time with him? Is your focus to sit at his feet? Or have you allowed other things to creep into your life? Has your love grown cold? Let me pray. Lord, we ask that today that you would remind us of how much you desire, that your delight is to be with us, that you made us for that purpose, 
pray if there's any here that don't know you, that you would help them to consider what that would mean, that the God of the universe desires to be with them. And Lord, I pray for those that follow Jesus. Lord, may we sit at your feet. Make that the priority of our lives, Lord. In your son's name, amen.